be changed. And we'll be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, and we will be like him. But our God is patient, not desiring anybody to perish, but coming to full repentance and into the knowledge of him. Our God's a great God. Our God's a good God. Our God's a sovereign God. Over every circumstance. We started the book of Nehemiah. And last week we saw that Nehemiah had got a burden. And it were a burden from God. The only problem with a burden, the longer you have it, the more it shows on your face. And Nehemiah, he goes off to work and it's showing on his face. When you've got a burden from God, at some point or another, it has to come out. When you're carrying something for God, at some time or another, and at the right time, it's got to come out. If you've got your Bibles, you're a Christian. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm going to have some fun today. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, dear. Shall we read? We're, we're on Nehemiah chapter 2. Let's read it together. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King, King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? When, when you're not ill, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send him to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can re rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have a letter from the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that I will provide me safe conduct, conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall 
and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and I gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Then Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard about this. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there was not enough room for the mount to get through, so I went to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone and what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews, the priests, the nobles, or the officials, or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. But Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We his servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. God informed plans a guaranteed success. The result of a person activating a God informed plan is success. Initiating a God-informed plan does not guarantee there'll not be challenges, pain, and opposition along the way. But you can be sure what God has said in the secret place of prayer will come to pass in the marketplace of life as, the, as courageous faith is activated. I love rereading the book of Nehemiah. It's such an encouraging book. It's a book I've read before and studied before. And his very name means God who comforted. As we've heard already, God is the God of all comfort. Jesus says that I will send another one, a comforter, parakletos, 
want to come alongside you. And he will aid you. He will help you. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And the most comforting thing, what God says he does, he does. When God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. That's comforting. It was comforting to the people of Israel because they'd had many prophecies. Many prophecies that the, that they, the Jerusalem would be rebuilt. We see the prophecies in Isaiah. In the middle of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophesying to a people who were in exile, the captive. But towards the end of Isaiah, the prophecy changes. And in the famous one, in Isaiah 61, Isaiah prophesies this. He says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God spoke through the prophets about the restoration of Jerusalem. And now the people of God were coming out of exile and filtering back into Jerusalem. But this restoration is really a game of two halves. Because the restoration started with Zerubbabel and, jo and uh, Joshua and continued with Ezra. And they rebuilt the temple. But a lot of people look round and says, how small is it? Look round. Zachariah says, do not despise the small beginnings. He was speaking about this return. I've been working for the church a year now, coming up in November. To be honest with you, I felt like a, this last two months, I felt like an utter failure. What have I done in a year? What's, been, what's happened? Have I seen any growth? And I've been feeling really sorry for myself. <laughs> but God's been showing me that just even this week, I'm going to embarrass you, Gemma, but th this is how God spoke to me. Just before I started in November, I went away and I prayed and I fasted. God spoke to me and said, I want you to set up centrally somewhere where people can get to know Jesus and be discipled to become like Jesus. And we uh, tentatively set up the Alpha course. We run the Alpha course all the way through. And we met Gemma for the first time. And Gemma had an amazing time on the course and came through into faith in Christ and by her own words and admission, her life was transformed. If we did the Alpha course for one person, and that's you, Jem, I've been successful this year. We then did the Freedom in Christ course because of a deep burden to see people set free. 
We had a great time. Gemma came on the course. And God did a wonderful work and he's doing a wonderful work in her life. If we establish the freedom in Christ for Gemma, thank you because I've had a successful year. The Thursday night we did an Alpha together with Northgate and All Saints. And it was a wonderful night. 90 covers of meals, roast beef dinners for 90 people. Wonderful entertainment. But the cherry on the top, Gemma shared a story before 150 people saying that God has turned my life around, he's transforming my life. And then she just went like that and she says, and I'm a child of God. <laughs> it's been a successful year, a really successful year. And I'm, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Gemma into small beginning. Gemma, God is gonna use you in many and mighty ways. And I believe it's for the reaching of many other women. And that one life is just gonna multiply and multiply and multiply. It's been a successful year, would you agree? That's the first half. God's blowing the whistle. The first half's over. Time to refresh. Have your oranges. <laughs> but the second half's coming. And the whistle's going to blow. Mentioned about carrying the burdens. King looked at Nehemiah and says, why are you looking so sad? You're not ill. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. But Nehemiah is carrying a burden from God. He's not just carrying wine. And there's a point when you're carrying a burden, you can't hide it anymore. And I believe that there are many people in here who are carrying burdens from God and it's getting to the point where you can't hide it anymore but what that means it means trusting him trusting him with his whole lives trusting him with his families trusting him with his finances trusting him with his futures many of us carrying a burden and it's written all over your face the king notices Nehemiah's face and then Nehemiah hits the wall what most of us in here have hit over this last few months it's a wall of fear <laughs> don't know whether you've heard I might be just talking to me I hope you're listening to this Cuthbert we hit a wall of fear. Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. Often, I've read leadership books. I've listened to seminars. I've looked at business. I've read books on business. 
But what we need to do is let the Bible inform us of what sort of people God uses. And who he uses to initiate the purposes, his purposes and his plans. And time and time and again in the Bible, God uses people who are petrified. Who are scared. Who are afraid. Time and time and time again, God keeps coming back to them. And telling them not to be. To activate a God-informed plan, it takes a step of faith. And it takes courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to act in spite of fear. Nehemiah were very much afraid. But... There might be many things you're afraid of. But you might be scared of leading worship for the first time in, in church. But you might be scared of starting a new job. But you might be scared of finishing an old job. But you might be scared of what's coming in the future. But you might be scared of what people are asking you to do at freedom, but, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lie in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Nehemiah's conversation is spontaneous as it looks as we read it because he's been praying. And he's probably had around about four months praying to get to this point where the king asks him, well, what is it you want? God-informed prayers. And then he prays again. I wish Matthew were here because he taught me so much about popcorn prayers. We've all done them, haven't we? Since, since he preached about popcorn prayers, that those moments where... A situation comes or an opportunity comes and you go, pop, God, I pray to the God of heaven, popcorn. But it was based on four months of seeking him. Because Nehemiah wasn't asking a small request. Thirteen years previously, the king had said, that's it, tools down. There were a lot of uprising, there were a lot of trouble. There were rebellion and the king had just drawn a line. He says, you stop building Jerusalem now until I say so further. That's in Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, I quoted Ezra because they, they go together. Yeah, they, they can be read in tandem. They're separate, they're separate looks at the same thing, but uh, they go together. But it's not a small request because what he's asking the king is to reverse a 13-year foreign policy. It's a bit like the cleaner in number 10, going into David Cameron's office and saying, right, I want you to reverse this foreign policy and I want you to give me annual leave as well so I can initiate it. It's a similar sort of, similar sort of thing. But the king alongside the queen 
as open to it. This is where we see the prayerful planning of Nehemiah come to the fore. For this is God's informed plan. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have a letter to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for my own house as well. That's quite a bold ask, isn't it? Hey, that's a big ask. You know what we've got to do as a church? Get a bit bigger in us asking. Asking for the big ask. But just as a side note and this, Nehemiah asks for protection. He asks for a letter and he also gets some soldiers. We have to be careful not to put a formula to this. So important that we don't put a formula to faith. Because Ezra, doing the same thing, he said, I don't want any soldiers. Because it shows a lack of faith in the power of God. So that's two totally different answers for the same thing. So it's just, I just really sensed that we're not to put formulas onto things in church. Yeah, we, we, we have God-informed plans. We can put a formula together. Alpha and freedom in Christ want a formula. It's not because other churches do it. Now, if that changes over time, I'm happy about that. If God brings something else into us, and don't get me wrong, the, the freedom in Christ and Alpha are one tool in a very big toolbox. And we need to express and we need to, to look at different ways of, uh, uh, reaching out and to, to also discipling one another. It's wonderful to see, again, it's been a successful year. Community groups are up and running. They're small at the moment, they feel a bit clunky maybe for some, but they're up and running. It's a successful year. Pete and Cass doing a great work in, in initiating that God-informed plan. One thing Ezra and Nehemiah both agreed on is that God's good and gracious hand was upon them. May have had different approaches, but God's hand, his good hand were upon them. And one thing we can be sure of with the God-given plan, the provision and the protection will come. When God gives a plan, when God provides a vision, he provides the provision as well. To provide for the vision. That's what it means. God's going to provide. And he used an Assyrian king, a Persian king, sorry. God doesn't, he doesn't mind who he uses. Yeah? I truly believe God's going to use Egypt to build something here. He'll use Persia to build something here. When Moses was sent down the river in a cradle, he came to rest at the Pharaoh's daughter's feet. The Pharaoh's daughter sent for a nursemaid, which were Moses' mum. 
And Moses' mum looked after Moses. And Pharaoh paid her. God can use Egypt to provide for the vision. And God will use Persia as well, like he did here in Nehemiah. It's encouraging, isn't it? And comforting to know that as we embark on this new season, the whistle's blowing. Second half. In this new season of life for Freedom Church, which probably will come with challenge, pain, and opposition. But one thing we can be utterly convinced about is that God's good and gracious hand is upon us. I ain't got a lot to say about Freedom Church in the wider marketplace, except one thing I'd know is God's gracious hand is upon us as a people. I can tangibly see it. I can see it in all his lives that his good and gracious hand is upon us. And Nehemiah surveys the walls of Jerusalem after three days of resting. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. We're coming into a time of a building. All hands to the deck, all hands to the, whatever analogy you want to use. It's time to put the hand to the trowel. But within that, Nehemiah rested three days. Are you listening, Cuthbert? Preach it to myself. I can't preach what I can't walk. I just can't. And I'm learning myself. But with great activity needs great rest. Nehemiah surveyed the walls and God's eyes surveying our hearts too. God's plan is always to build up, restore. Even in times when you feel like you're being torn down. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to tear down and a time to build. I believe for many of us, We've been in a time of tearing down. There's been a process. Removing faulty foundations. Wrong attitudes. Wrong motives. Wrong directions. Forgiveness for the wrongs that we've done and healing for the wrongs that have been done to us. And God is committed to continue that work in us to completion. But I do believe that God is bringing us in a into a time of building. He's been, he's been working his, the foundations in his lives, securing the foundations so he can build.
Nehemiah, he went right round and he saw all the stones lying in rubble in heaps and the gates torn down. Do you feel like that? You're on the rubble heap. That there's no way God could possibly build with me. It's not true. When you picture a wall, what do you picture? Just close your eyes for me. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> Show me my disappearing trick. <laughs> close your eyes. What, what kind of wall do you picture? What wall you got in your mind? What kind of wall is it? Come on, someone help me. Black and white wall. A blank wall. Okay, where else? Stone wall. Yeah. Often when I used to look for walls, you know the old London, well, the London bricks, the uniformed, did you have a London brick wall, did you? <laughs> Hey, you know, the London bricks, uniformed, cast, all the same. But then God showed me that, well, I'm actually from Derbyshire. And in Derbyshire, the dry stone walls, a lot of dry stone walls. You, you walk through and they're, they're beautiful, dry stone walls. But there's some odd-shaped stones. They're all different, but they're all in the wall. And I don't know if, if you're like me, God's had his brick hammer out. Because what the dry stone wall, has, the, the guy has to do, he has to hone the bricks. Just knock a bit off here and a knock a bit off there, just so it fits in the wall. We are living stones. Being built to be a dwelling place of God. Nehemiah, he, he were a man who listened to God. I think that's one of the best disciplines you can learn. Listening to God. Often there's lots of words in church. But one of the best, best things we can learn to do is listen to God. As the one who comes alongside whispers in his ear. This is the way. Walk in it. The sheep know his voice. Listening to God together. Hearing God together. And activating a God-informed plan. Nehemiah were a man who listened to God and on listening to God was given a burden releasing him into the part that he had to play. Even though he was fearful, he courageously steps out in faith and he, he activates a God-informed plan. And that's a plan that sees the transformation of a city. That's what we're here for, Keith, is it? That's the vision of Freedom Church Chester, to see lives transformed by Jesus see a city transformed for his glory.